In the semi-darkness of this evening, I invite us all not to look at me, but to look at the candles. Candles that fill this hall and the flames that flicker, flames that are still. Just choose one candle and let us seek to hear the Spirit speaking to each of us. Better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. In the community of reconciliation at there are indeed candles everywhere. The priests in the white, the pilgrims gathered round, usually holding candles with their flames lit. And as we've done singing those powerful words, within our darkest night, within our darkest night, you kindle the flame that never dies away. Never dies away. Let not my doubts or my darkness speak to me. Lord Jesus Christ, your light shines within us. Let my heart always welcome your love. How significant it is that we pray and acknowledge that it is God who kindles the flame. This is the mysterious work of God. This is the shocking work of God. The God who appeared out of a bush to Moses that was flaming with fire and yet was not consumed. This was the God who led his people through the wilderness with a pillar of fire. This was the God who made himself known as Elijah called down from heaven the God who set alight the sacrifices that were drenched with water on the mountain and threw the worshippers of Baal into utter confusion. And yet this same God was not in the fire or the wind or the earthquake. He was in the still, small voice that spoke to Elijah in his depression that followed that incredible episode. This fire of God was in the heart of Jeremiah, the prophet that was called to speak to God's people as they faced, as Jeremiah knew, total judgment and exile into Babylon. Yet they wouldn't hear of it. They wanted to hear words of comfort. They wanted to hear nice things from God. But Jeremiah would not do other than God himself had spoken to him. In our reading now that Simon's going to bring, we're going to hear the turmoil that Jeremiah is in as he experiences the fire of God within 
and yet the calling to do things that are going to mean incredible suffering. Simon, you'd like to come and read from Jeremiah chapter 20. O Lord, you deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Report him. Let's report him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonour will never be forgotten. O Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance upon them, for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord, he rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. This is the word of the Lord. His word in me is like a fire. Jesus spoke to his disciples after his death and resurrection on their way back as they were journeying back home after a desperate, desperate day, having seen their Lord, whom they hoped would be the one who would save them, put to death on a cross. The stranger comes along and speaks to them and starts to unpack from the scriptures, from the books of Moses and the prophets and the law, how it was God's intention that the Messiah should suffer and die and on the third day rise again. That it was part of God's plan that this might happen. They were in his presence but they didn't recognise him until they invited him in until they became vulnerable themselves and invited the one who was stranger to become a guest with them in their home. And it was at that point, as Jesus broke the bread, that their eyes were opened. Were not our hearts burning within us as he opened to us the scriptures. They knew there was something deep within that this man had touched. And they ran back to Jerusalem with the news that they had seen the Lord 
They were truly on fire for God. That fire again fell as the disciples waited in obedience to God in Jerusalem in that upper room with the doors locked and the Holy Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost. Fire seemed to touch their heads, flames of fire on their heads. And the outworking of that anointing was that they might live lives of sacrificial love, of merciful love, of forgiving love, of vulnerable love. We're still looking at those flames, that single flame. How easy it would be just to walk over and blow it out. How totally vulnerable the flame is. Flames flicker, sometimes die down and even get extinguished. And in our own lives, the experiences of darkness, depression, tragedy, of anxiety and fear can be responsible for extinguishing or certainly dimming that fire, that flame within us. And yet we know and believe that the one light shines in the darkness. And as John's Gospel puts it, that darkness could never overcome it, could never comprehend it, could never smother it, because the light shines in the darkness. And for ourselves, as we bring ourselves day by day into the presence of that one, we will find that flame being kindled again. The symbolism of lighting a candle is huge. That's why in church we worship with candles, we light them on the altar, we light them, well, if me as vicar, we light them as very often as we can. <laughs> lighting a candle has a hugely transformative effect, potentially. We light them in schools as collective worship begins and extinguish them as the collective worship ends. In our own private place of prayer, we might light a candle too. And we place ourselves, in all our vulnerability, into the presence of one who burns with holy fire that we might know the kindling of a flame within us. Why? Because it makes us feel good, because we get energised. Not primarily. Jesus is calling to be a light to the world is for the purpose of others. When Jesus spelt it out to his disciples, he was calling them to be people of impact in the world they live in. And to let that love do its, its, its divine work. Let your light so shine before others, he said, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. 
I was wondering recently as to why Graham Kendrick's song, Shine Jesus Shine, really took off all those years ago. I wonder whether it sort of rung a chord, it resonated with so much that's within us that we long for our hearts to be set on fire, that we long for this nation to see something of the glory of God, that there's something within us, deep within us, that enables us to sing that song with such conviction and power. Fill this land with a Father's glory. Blaze, Spirit, blaze. Set our hearts on fire as we come to your holy presence. So our faces display your radiance. And so as we come toward that holy flame, that our faces, our lives are changed too. And Brother Roger, in his writings, speaks of this impact that as Christians we are called to make, but only in the power of the light of the world. In this book, a letter is quoted, written in Madras. He'd just been on a conference with a lot of young people in 1985, and he wrote passionately about the implications of being people who were set on fire for God. Let me read that letter now. Where would we be today if women, men and even children had not come forward at times when humanity seemed to be heading for the worst? They held on to a fine hope in humanity and to an invisible presence. They found a way to go beyond personal conflicts and to cross the barriers which separate nations and people of different spiritual families or races. They, per they perceived, rising up from the heart of the peoples of the earth, an aspiration to a fullness of joy and peace but also an endless lamentation. As for you, are you going to let yourself fall asleep in dull indifference? If you are dismayed by the mistrust that exists between nations and by the wounds left by broken human relationships, will you let your lips and your heart become frozen in an attitude of, what's the use? We can do nothing. Let things take their course. Are you going to let yourselves sink into discouragement like Elijah, a believer of times gone by, who, seeing that he could do nothing more for his people, lay down under a tree to fall asleep and forget? Or will you remain awake? You have a long journey ahead of you. Will you take your place among those women, men and children who have decided to act. They possess unsuspected strengths. By their very simplicity, their lives speak to us. They foster sharing and solidarity and dispel the paralysis of indifference. They disarm mistrust and hatred. They are bearers of trust and reconciliation, knowing that God does not wish armed conflicts or any other human suffering. They take action.
By doing this, they can make the world a place fit to live in by understanding with a trusting heart and living by forgiveness. They become creators with God. If a passion to forgive, and this is the bit that's particularly relevant here, if a passion to forgive became a burning flame within you, you would be a kindling spark of communion that reaches even the most tragic situations. Let me read that again. If a passion to forgive became a burning flame within you, you would be kindling a spark of communion that reaches even the most tragic situations. Do we not realise that God wants us to be creators with him? He has accepted a huge risk. He has wanted human beings not to be like passive robots, but free to decide on the direction of the, that their lives will take. He leaves us free to forgive, but free also to reject forgiveness, free to create with God or not. The depths of the human being are limitless. They open towards the depth of God, and God is already there waiting for every person deep within them. It is there that creative energy is born. Creative energy born in the cauldron of God's heat. And so, just for a moment, in the quiet, let us allow ourselves time to meditate on the image of the flame and to reflect where your own heart is right now. To be vulnerable before the almighty, all-holy God. Maybe even dare to ask him, kindle that fire in my heart, Lord. Give me a passion to forgive. A passion to say a wholehearted yes to whatever you have for me. Whether it be the pain of Jeremiah, the cost of the apostles, saints and martyrs. Or let us live in the fire of your love. 